0: Anyone who is a parent knows it's a challenging job. Kids don't come with instruction manuals and environmental influences are constantly changing. In recent years, there's been a focus on helicopter parenting, a term meant to illustrate the tendency for some parents to hover over their children and be overly involved in their lives. Hello, I'm Dr. Jay Greenspan. In this edition of Pediatric Chat, we'll discuss the consequences of helicopter parenting and offer some insights about the impact of various styles of parenting and how parents can strike that important balance between involvement and over-parenting. If you have a question about helicopter parenting, we encourage you to send it to us through the question portal on our webpage so that we can review it and post a follow-up response. Joining me today is my co-host, Dr. Paul Rosen. Hello, Paul. Hello, Jay. And we're very glad to welcome our special guest for this program, Dr. Megan Lines from the Nemours Division of Psychology. Welcome, Megan. Thank you. So what is helicopter parenting?
1: So helicopter parenting is a term that emerged in as early as the 60s to describe when parents hover over their adolescent children, and it's become pretty popular in media in recent years uh, to describe parents who are really overly focused on their kids' success, overly involved in their lives. Sometimes we talk about it as overparenting, And the hallmark of helicopter parenting is hovering and intervening at the slightest challenge that a child encounters, if it's a challenge with a teacher, with a peer, a grade in school, those kinds of things.
0: And so you sort of described it, but what does it look like to you when you see a parent and they've brought them to you? What do they look like when they're helicoptering?
1: It's a parent who is very involved, knows the ins and outs of everything that's going on with their kids. Is probably the person who is going to be the first one to jump in when there is a Conflict with a teacher at school, child gets a bad grade, they're on the phone pretty quickly. Even if there's incidents with other kids, other peers might be the taking that first step to be involved in what's going on.
0: And why do they do that? Why are they hovering like this?
1: It's a good question. I think overall it comes from a good place. This is coming from a place where parents are really trying to prevent their kids from experiencing anything negative or stressful. So parents who don't want their kids to experience unhappiness or failure or disappointment, all of these things that I think many parents can relate to trying to prevent from happening to their Mm -hmm. kids.
0: And is it about the pressures of success as well? Uh, Are they looking to get the better grade and keep them on the trajectory that they want them to be on?
1: Absolutely. And I think that in addition to that pressure for kids to be successful, there's a lot of pressure on parents to make sure that their kids are getting into the best colleges and being the best athletes and having all of the, the best experiences they can.
2: Do families come to your office and discuss sort of their parenting techniques or how do, the, how do you get involved with how families are parenting?
1: I think that this is something that certainly we see in behavioral health and, and probably lots of providers who work with kids and adolescents and families see, because it's a, as that as, uh Dr. Greenspan was saying earlier, kids don't come with instruction manuals, and so it's this constant challenge of trying to figure out, how do, how do I do this right as a parent, and, and how do I provide my child with the supports that they need to be as successful as possible? And so sometimes that comes to us when kids are having some anxiety or depression. Sometimes it's when there's conflict between parents and their kids. There's lots of different ways that it might come to our office but the end product or the piece that is often the commonality across them is that perhaps it's the parent's level of involvement in their child's lives.
2: And when we talk about this style of parenting, do you find that it's the mother doing it, it's the father doing it, or both parents are hovering?
1: I don't know if there's any data to support whether this is there's really a gender aspect to it. I think the commonality that we see across is that it is parents who are really trying to do the best things for their kids. And I think there's also some some data to suggest that there's a push among educated working professionals to really provide their children with every opportunity to be successful, to go to the best camps and schools and have tutors and different sports teams involved. And I think it's something that we initially conceptualize as as being parents of adolescents, but we're really seeing across the age span as well.
0: And I know as a parent, you sort of start off having to do stuff for your kids, right? So, you know, the first grader who has to build the solar system, probably not doing that on their own. What guide can you give a parent to when you're just doing too much homework, you're doing too much hovering? it's sort of developmental change for you as a parent as well, right?
1: Sure. Yeah, it's a great question because I think that some of the same behaviors depending on the age of the child could be appropriate versus over-involved. And I think a good rule of thumb is if it's something that a child has the ability to do on their own or to try to do on their own, to let that happen, knowing that there's a possibility that they may not be successful and they may fail, and that's okay. So if we think about what this can look like across the age span, Parents of toddlers, for example, need to think about finding that balance of sort of leading and directing play versus backing off and allowing their kids to explore and to be creative and, mm. to, and to run the show. And I think as we move up in the age span, kids in elementary school, it's finding that balance of allowing them to find activities that they're interested in without pushing too much, without overscheduling them too much. Um, without selecting their activities, their friends, their teachers. Um, And and then as they get into adolescence, it's really thinking about that drive towards college if that's the next step and allowing the adolescent to have some control over what their schedule looks like, where they might want to apply to school if they're gonna be applying to college, intervening with teachers when there's a bad grade, those kinds of things.
2: So if if you're a child and you're growing up and you're kind of getting your parents hovering over you and you're not able to make those choices, how does that impact your self-confidence and your ability to thrive in the future?
1: What research shows is that it has a big impact on those things. So kids who, particularly adolescents whose parents have this tendency to overparent or be overly involved, have more of a tendency towards anxiety and depression, have less self-confidence, less self-esteem, you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, the things that teach kids to develop some reliance on themselves, some confidence in their abilities, is trying things out making mistakes, learning from those mistakes, having some failure experiences and working through them, which is really hard as a parent to sit back and watch happen, but again it's finding that balance between giving them the tools and the support that they need and then trusting that they're going to do the best that they can and allowing them to work through it if it doesn't work out perfectly the first time.
0: If I can summarize, it's really these people really love their children, and they want the best for them, but they have to back off to allow some mistakes to occur.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. It's recognizing that a parent's motivation is to protect their kids Mm -hmm. and to help them to be as successful as possible. And it's being able to put that in check a little bit to allow kids to sort of find their own motivation. And they do that through being able to have their own ideas and try things out on their own. And like I said, maybe failing, and maybe succeeding.
0: Now, if I had to poll the audience of teenagers, I'd say about 100% of them would say their parents are helicoptering them. Maybe that's a little high, Ray. Paul. A lot of them think (laughs) that they're controlling their lives. Mm -hmm. I guess that's part of adolescence. Do you see uh, kids that recognize the parents are helicoptering and want to stop? And if so, what tools do you give them to help?
1: I think that it's, it's sort of a natural part of adolescence to want to be independent and be in this in-between stage where you continue to need some some support. And so I think you're right. A lot of adolescents would say, my parent is hovering. My parent is ruining my life. And, and I think for, for them it's really helping to work with the entire family to figure out how do we balance these things how do we allow kids to have some freedom and to have some of their own ideas but also to provide them with the support they need to keep them safe which is always a parent's number one priority and so i think it ends up being more of a family discussion than a than a specific tool or set of tools that any adolescent can be given
2: i would imagine if you're a parent and you have a child who's maybe gotten into trouble at school or been expelled or maybe in um, alcohol or substance abuse, you would react by being over, more overprotective and more watchful, having had that experience of them getting into trouble.
1: Sure, absolutely. And so, again, I think that's an opportunity to think about What is it that's taken a child down that path? What coping skills are they lacking that they're going to substance abuse or something like that and figuring out how do we create success opportunities so that they can really develop skills to cope when things don't go well?
0: And, you know, if I think about it as sort of a generational thing where our older generation, Paul, maybe mine's a little older than yours, was racking around in the back of the, uh, the station wagon without a seat belt, and my parents would never think of helping me do homework. And, and that's really changed somewhat, right? So there are some increased expectations of parenting, guiding their kids through some of this. So it is a dance that you don't want to totally allow the children to do whatever they want to do, but you can't do too much. And so how would you guide me in terms of how you decide?
1: There really are a number of things that are are different in this generation than they once were, and, and it is that finding that balance and, and doing that dance. We talk about the pressure on kids to be successful and to get into the best colleges and to be the best athlete, but there's also a lot of pressure on parents to do a good job and for their kids to do well, and so a lot of these things are coming from the same place. And there's other challenges, I think, to kids of this generation that make this all the more difficult for them and for their parents to navigate. There's there's some literature out there that discusses cell phones as being a virtual umbilical cord. So this idea that for both on the child end and the parent end there is a greater connection than there was with previous generations. There isn't as much of the go out the back door and I'll see you at the end of the day, but really there's so much more connection. Mm. And that can be really beneficial and that can be really challenging for families to navigate. And so the most important pieces for figuring out how do we do this dance, how do we navigate this, is to have some open communication and and to discuss what the parent's goals and the child's goals are and try and come up with some ways of problem solving those things. And so... It's for a parent inhibiting that response to something's wrong for my kid. I need to go and fix it right now and to step back and say, okay, what, what can they learn from this? How can I help teach them how to problem solve when they get that bad grade or when something didn't go well with, with a friend or a peer and sort of work on that together?
0: That's a great point. Make it their idea. Make it their plan rather than yours as the parent. Yeah. That's an interesting way of looking at that.
2: I don't know if you know this, Jay, but I'm an only child. So uh, Megan, are kids who don't have any siblings, are they at more risk to experience a helicopter parent, do you think?
1: It's an interesting question. I think we can sort of think about the ways in which that could be a possibility, given that all eyes are on an only child a little bit more than than a child who has siblings. I don't know if there's any literature to support that that's happening more frequently to um, to only children, but it certainly brings up an interesting point of when there is a parent or two parents in a household and, and one child, do they get a little bit more hovering, a little bit more intensity of focus? And I don't know the answer to that, but I think it's a really good question.
0: So I think schools have been more aware of this uh, in recent years. I know literature has come out to talk about wanting kids to do their own work, etc. Have you been interacting with schools? Is it something that child psychology has helped the schools deal with?
1: So I think that one of the challenges with schools is there is a recognition of this, but then again, there's also this level of technology that is different than it used to be. So there's a lot more opportunities to check up on grades online, for parents to be able to sort of see what's going on. And so I think that we, in our field, tend to do a lot of of work with families and with the schools in trying to determine What responsibility should be on the teenager, the adolescent in particular, versus the parents? How much checking up on the grades online and things like that should there be to try and strike that balance? And and it's an important one because there's research to support that kids whose parents are really involved do tend to have a higher level of engagement overall in learning, but their grades aren't as good. So it suggests that... Parents may be sort of helping and pushing, but for students in terms of developing that internal motivation to really work hard um, and to get the the grades that they want to get in order to be successful in the way that they wanna be successful Mm. in those next steps may not be as present when parents are as involved. So that is important information that I think has actually come out of the higher education literature and can really inform the way that families and schools operate when it comes to these ideas.
0: So Megan, in terms of uh, long-term consequences of this, the outcomes of the children that are being helicoptered, do we know anything about how they perform later on in life?
1: We know that they demonstrate higher rates of anxiety and depression than kids whose parents were not over-involved. We also know that they report less positive um, sort of family interactions overall, even as they get into young adulthood in terms of their relationship with their family of origin, and lower rates of self-confidence. So there's, there's a, quite a few things to, to suggest that there can be some long-term consequences of parents being overly involved in their kids' lives.
0: So the stakes are pretty high. We, we really have to try to get this right, strike the balance of being involved and loving but not hovering.
1: Absolutely. Not to put too much pressure on an already pretty pressure-filled job as a parent, right?
0: Right. I want my next parent to be a child psychologist. <laughs> it sounds like you guys have this down.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know about that.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so Megan, if you are a parent and you know you have a tendency to hover or be overprotective, uh, what advice do you have to... Enable that parent to let their child to struggle through the issue
1: Find that balance between Being there for them and encouraging them But not doing things for them. So don't let your action replace their action But give them some strategies for how to handle things and that might be teaching them how to talk through Problem-solving coming up with some ideas of what to do Encouraging them to try so don't focus so much on being successful, but encourage their effort. That is one of the most important things that we know about kids is that if you encourage effort, it boosts self-esteem. If you encourage success, that can be limiting, that can make kids fearful of not being successful. So focus on giving it a try and be comfortable in the fact that Kids are going to make mistakes, and that's okay because that's how they learn. Um, It can be really painful as a parent to see your child struggling, but it's important to kind of hold in the back of your mind that that's how they develop coping skills to deal with the hard things when they come. And that's what's going to be really important for them to be able to be successful when you're not there. And so kind of holding on to those ideas and really recognizing how critical it is to not fix everything, but let them experience those consequences, struggle through it, and they're going to be better on the other side is the most important thing.
0: So Megan, the stakes are high nowadays, right? There's all sorts of memory that there didn't used to be. There's the digital footprints, one mistake on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, So you can see the anxiety that parents have in trying to prevent the one mistake that can live a lifetime. What do you say to that?
1: It's, it's a really good point because, as you said, the stakes are high. We are raising kids in a different world than, than their parents' generation grew up in. And I think the, the same sort of ideas that we've talked about apply in terms of really providing kids with the basic values that your family ascribes to and giving them support and, and trusting that they're going to make good decisions. And that is what helps kids to to be successful. So if a parent doesn't micromanage every little post on Facebook or picture on Instagram, it it helps kids to know that they trust them and they believe in them to make good choices. And so it's all part part of that balance and part of that dance, and I think we are learning this on the front line quicker than the than research or recommendations can come out to support it. But it's finding that balance, I think, between really monitoring and knowing what your kids are doing and making sure that they are safe in, in a challenging world and also trusting that you have taught them the things that they need in order to make good decisions.
0: Well, So, Megan, we've had numerous no chats on bullying and on autism, and these, these are all challenges for parents. This one in particular, I think it impacts every parent to some degree, figuring that balance out, figuring the balance of doing well in sports and at home and in school and how much you can do as a parent and how much you should not do. And you've given us some great tips. So thanks so much for being here. Thank you for uh, having me. Paul?
2: I agree with Jay, and it really is a balance. And I think you can cross it, uh, the parenting, but also for the coaches with our kids as well. And like you said, it's teaching them the value of the effort, not necessarily the wins and losses. You know, it seems like a process, a learning process. And um, we want to set our kids up for for success and, and high confidence as well.
0: To our listeners, if you have a question about this topic, or if there's another topic you'd like us to explore in a future pediatric chat, you can send it to us by using the question portal on our webpage. And be sure to view our library for more pediatric chat programs. I'm Dr. Jay Greenspan.